and welcome to the Sports Grade Podcast, your bite-sized guide to enter the sports industry. And joining me in the studio, as always, is the ecstatic Reuben Williams. How are you, mate? G'day, Ryan. I'm fantastic this morning. We put out some very big news yesterday, which we are stoked we to share. So, uh, a lot of lovely messages have come in. For those who haven't heard, we have just raised some seed funding led by the founders of Spark, who we're going to chat with a bit later on. And we're now working in a unique collaboration with them to try and make the uh, trajectory into mm. sport nice and clear for those uni students wanting to break into the sports industry. It couldn't be clearer now. Which is no. Very exciting <laughs> for, for everyone wanting to work in sports. So let's crack in because this is one of the bigger episodes Absolutely. in the history of sports grad <laughs> and history of this podcast. So if you want to learn more about who we are, feel free to connect with us on LinkedIn or if you want to ask us any questions, jump into our community. Uh, it's absolutely booming, I think, is the word that I like to use. That's it. to the community on the podcast. Uh, and there's been some great news recently. Yes, absolutely. Kate Moore, special shout out to Kate Moore, who has just landed a role at Supercars. She sent us this lovely message in our Discord channel, which said, I've just accepted the role of accreditation coordinator with the Supercars. I've been working towards a career in motorsport for 18 months now and have to credit the tips and insights shared in the sports grad community for helping me land my dream job in the industry. So well done, Kate. Incredible. We mm. love Kate. Absolute superstar. So if you want to get your foot in the door of the sports industry, hire people quickly and easily or learn from the best in the world, there really is something for everyone inside. So uh, get involved. Absolutely. Uh, now, Rubes, as usual, we've got to start today's episode with a quick tip to get a job in sport. If you're currently studying or you've just finished studying, having a postgrad qualification in sports management on your resume can give you a huge leg up on other potential candidates applying for the same role. So, if you want to pump up your resume and get specialised knowledge in sports behaviour, law, marketing, ethics, finance, governance and strategy, wow, there's a lot there. Take a look at Deacon's <laughs> postgrad qualifications. Their Master of, of Business in Sports Management is not one of, but the best one in Australia, ranked at number one. So add a postcode to your resume, and that is our tip for the episode. Speaking of Deacon, the two guys we've got in the studio today also come from Deacon. Now, these guys treaded the path for sport management students for over a decade to create opportunities for people to get meaningful experience working in sport. Bennett Merriman and Shannon Gove, welcome to the Sports Grade Podcast. Thank you, boys. Bit of mail at the start there, Ryan, about the big, episode, but we're, oh, well, we're thrilled I mean, to be here. <laughs> there's big and there's big, and I think the announcement, the gravity, mm. it, it warrants the biggest episode of all time. It's, so It's uh, 14 months in the making, this episode, so retro, retro. Uh, Thank you, boys. we've been prepping it for 14 months as well. We so. have. <laughs> that, was, that was the first thing we thought about when, um, I think, Bennett, you messaged me out of the blue and said, hey... We really like the look of your podcast. We love the sort of work that you're doing. It's aligned closely with what we've been doing in the past. Do you want to have a chat and bounce some ideas off each other? That's right. Rubes, it was. Yeah, there's a little bit of jealousy there as well. I think. <laughs> <laughs> what you guys are doing is fantastic. So, Shannon and I have, uh, have always believed in the uh, the problem you're solving. And we, probably 12 years ago now is really when things kicked off, when we, we sort of ventured down a similar path. So, the fact that you guys are doing it and doing it so well is uh, is Really great to see. So mm. Good efforts so far, lads, and plenty more to come. Absolutely. And then I think uh, it was a month or two later, Shannon, you reached out. It wasn't about how we were doing, but it was how can you get your podcast started as well. And I remember bouncing yeah. a few tips off each other there and thinking, um, gosh, uh, I wonder where this will lead. Big time. <laughs> this morning coming in going, geez, these boys have got it much better. <laughs> 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 so um, uh, I'm learning from the best. Mm. Well, well We've watched a few of your podcasts in preparation as well, and I think there's definitely some notes we can we can exchange. Mm. Okay. Yeah, you're very clear on the mic. Uh, <laughs> mm. We can have a chat about the setup and what that involves. So yeah, we'll take Good that work. offline. Good yeah, work. absolutely. Um, but as we mentioned, you guys have been doing this for over a decade. It started with Event Workforce Group, which grew right around Australia, up to a database of in the tens of thousands, doing close to a thousand events a year through your workforce staff. Uh, and then expanded into Rostify, uh, your volunteer management scheduling service, which now is being used by the biggest sporting events right around the world, FIFA, UEFA, Super Bowl, just a couple to mention there. Um, but I've been looking forward to this chat for a while because uh, a lot of people who get on the podcast, we haven't typically met before, so it's kind of 
normal for us just to fire questions away at them, but for you guys, we've been chatting in cafes and bars and over Zoom for a long time, so it's rare that we get the opportunity in this sort of artificial, formal setting just to lob <laughs> questions in one direction. <laughs> but um, we might kick off with um, where did it all start for you? Yeah, uh, look, 2010, Bennett and I studying the same course. We're actually cousins, um, so I was studying sports management at Deakin, uh, who was good to see as a sponsor of the podcast now, <laughs> boys. Um, so studying sports management and and just seeing so many students like myself trying to get experience, and it was actually a lot of people, I, I recall the guys in the year above, having to do their experience and being told by the lecturer to go out to a farm and put fence posts in because there's literally no other. They didn't know how to help these students. It was like, wow. you need to just do the hours, so just do it however you can do it. And I just thought there was no connection there between that and getting a job. Mm. It was just ticking a box for the sake of it. And then through that, myself, just finding some experience um, with some friends at the time, Benny Maldoon, and Tom Mitchell at um, the Melbourne Marathon. Um, and the, I guess the, the short story is where they, they needed, there was a big shipping container full of tuna tins at the MCG. <laughs> they needed cleared out by 5 a.m. the next morning or else I get a, a fine or something like that. And, and IMG being a big brand running the marathon, I would expect they would have this database of students wanting to work with them. But their response was it's basically the last thing they want is a bunch of 18-year-old kids you know, <laughs> asking them about pay and, and um, you know, asking them when the next job is. And and they said, well, can you find them? You you study sports. And, and so I went back to res that night, staying in residence and managed to bring in, you know, 20 mates on a tram the next morning and told <laughs> them they'd get, you know, a bit of lunch and some payment. And, um, look, that was the first iteration of, of what grew to be a – uh, a company that was built around connecting students that were motivated about the work they were doing and um, how they could get into the industry and get a casual job to um, ultimately lead to full-time employment in, in the industry mm. they wanted to get into. When it, when it first started, did you – say taking back to the first day or the first month, say, yeah. did you always have the vision that it would end up being what it is today or was it always just kind of like a let's see what happens? I think we, we always knew the problem, right? And there's such a strong um, gap in the market, but then it's such a strong problem as well. So I was a couple of years ahead of Shannon and uh, I'd already graduated and about 18 months in, I was returned from around the world trip, had about $3 in my pocket and, <laughs> um, and was looking for a job in the industry. And I actually went for about five or six job interviews and finished coming second or third and shortlisted, but I always seemed to be the issue of not having all the experience or two or three years experience, right? Mm. And how are you meant to get that when you're still a uni student? How are you meant to yep. get that experience mm. that these entry-level jobs are looking for? Um, so it was really out of a complete need and understanding that once you graduate, it's not that easy to mm. just jump into an interview and expect to get that job. Uh, I, I Part of my round-the-world trip, I flew from Colombia to San Diego for a job interview expecting that if I made the effort, there'd be a bit of empathy from the interviewer <laughs> thinking, hey, this guy's made the effort, I think he's probably worth the job. And it turned out that they were looking for someone with four years sales experience <laughs> and I had nine months of experience <laughs> travelling around the world. So oh. it was a bit of a gap and probably an uh, underestimation from me. But it gave me a great uh, eye-opener to the fact that if you sit in a job interview without mm. the examples, maybe 10 just clear examples of mm. how to prove to the interviewer or the employer that you're ready for the job, it is a lot harder than you think. So the problem was always there. Shannon was coming from as a current student. I was coming up from a, from a recent grad, right? So we could build the, the mm. story and the narrative together. Uh, and then the vision itself, we started off with a, um, a catch cry, which was placement with a purpose. And we had a vision of doing the Melbourne Marathon as our first event, doing it really well. Gave ourselves eight months of, to find 25 casual staff. And it kind of grew from there. So it wasn't like we were going to, over, over on the world in five years it was more year by year and mm. progressively improving i'd say yeah was that eight months to find 25 <laughs> look uh, not not really um, <laughs> it, it kind of like it was, it was, uh, we, we we scrapped together that first one as i said and then there's kind of the next one yeah. going you know guys we'd like to have you back but that first year wasn't it was still just sort of working out what we're kind of doing you know yeah. um and sort of half partying because you're at uni and just working it out mm. and then it was doing another job. So technically the, the following year was our first client and we, we got started from there. Yeah. Mm. Our 25 really, really quality <laughs> stuff. Yeah, yeah. You, interviewed very you took your time to get yeah. quality <laughs> over quantity. That's important. <laughs> uh, yes. 
So what, you would have been 19 at the time and Bennett, you 21. You've had this idea. It seemed to work. The problem's always there. How did then you start to, to grow it? And um, on top of that, a lot of people have a lot of great ideas, but the hardest part is actually turning it into a sustainable business. How did you start to grow and how did you start to you know, t- commercialize it? Yeah, I think um, the short answer is like just showing up and it just naturally sort of organically grew by doing a good job and being a point of difference to what um, anything else was out there. Like the, the alternatives for an IMG were basically literally posting posters up at backpackers. Like that was one option. The other was just like these big dirty labour hire companies that were just working all around the country, just, you know, filling warehouses one weekend mm. and, you know, maybe doing events because it's just something else where I guess when we spoke to people, we spoke about the passion as to why we're here and, and we would introduce these potential clients to and say, look, this is Tom, he's studying sports, he's really passionate about it and he's done a great job. Um, and the workforces spoke for themselves. Like they, they were the ones that grew the business in, in a way and by us being there, we were able to meet these potential new clients and and say we'd love to be involved and we'd appreciate the opportunity um so from the melbourne marathon we then met um uh, so some leaders from big day out and the biggest music festivals and they sort of said come along and and also img were working with the golf so they just said well you know you solve our problem so just roll you into the next one and sort of contracts like that came up and a lot of a lot of our growth came early days came from just showing up um, putting on a good face and saying we'd appreciate the next opportunity and putting yourself yeah. out there because it'd be very easy to sit in the background and, and not go out and <laughs> meet someone, but that was how it sort of grew at the very beginning. Yeah, You um you guys are based in Melbourne. You're doing a lot of events in Melbourne. What what happened when the NRL Grand Final called you up and said, hey, can you help us out with our event? Yeah, so that would have been in Sydney. That was our first interstate event. I would have thought at the time, mm-hmm. yep. and that was uh, that was definitely a um, a great opportunity for us because it could have gone two ways. We could have said no, we can't do it; it's, it's too hard. Um, given we would have had probably no um, casual staff yeah, up there on our database, so um, I guess through some some. Uh, Fantastic sales skills that Shannon, <laughs> Shannon had on his side. <laughs> he, uh, he convinced um, the client at the time that, yep, no, we can do it. We have a quality staff uh, <laughs> database in Sydney and, and there's no problem. You can trust us. And this was probably two and a half weeks out from the NRL. <laughs> itself. And, uh, one, and the, the task itself was to be part of the opening act or the opening ceremony in the, in the crowd. And so quite an engaged role with TV and the whole broadcast focused on it. So had we not have been able to deliver, it would have exposed a few a few things. And uh, and we found a way. We, we contacted the unis. We went through, I guess, all the paths that we all typically followed and, and we found 75 really good quality um, workforces at the time to help help us at the event and deliver it. And that sort of sparked our interstate growth across Australia as well. So it wasn't just shifting tuna tins. It was it was a really interactive <laughs> role. <laughs> yeah, I'm proud to say the workforce did do more than tuna tin movement uh, across <laughs> the, the tuna tin uh, movement. <laughs> That's yeah, the we, uh, we did the evolve base a bit. role. Yes, correct. Yeah, mm. unreal, awesome. But the uh, but on that the roles. The roles were all sorts of roles, from shifting tuna tins to doing activations to doing operations yeah. work mm. and moving fences. A lot of the excitement was the events that we were involved in and what it meant to have that event on your CV itself. Mm. So the task itself may have been very basic, mm. but the actual fact that you're getting experience on the ground at the events is what excited people most. Mm. So yeah, that's something we learned along the way. Could people get experience at these events before you guys created these casual opportunities? The... <laughs> Everyone would just email info at Cricket Australia, right, and say, I'd, I'd love a gig. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And no one would respond. And the problem is still the same today. Mm-hmm. I was with the ICC the other week and they said they had 1,000 candidates for a job, right? So <laughs> the problem still remains the same. And with Spark now, we, we, we're very proud to see that being the place where you go to get work, casual work in the industry. And now with you guys providing a digital platform to, to educate and train people and give them confidence to do that. So at, at the time, no, you, that you would have to – family friend like you'd get lucky compared to having a, a way to get in and i think the the biggest thing that we worked or discovered with event workforce group was that people that just kept trying and putting themselves out there were the ones that succeeded 
but there's so many great stories of workforces that initially we probably were a bit like mm, not sure about this person like are they suitable mm. but through sort of hard work and, and hustle and saying yep i'll do the 4am shift no worries put me out there they were the ones that would succeed in the end um and it's um it's a it's a common thread throughout our whole journey when did you feel like you were off the ground when did you think you know this is something that we can do for a long time to come yeah it's it's funny because a lot of our f- friends and people around us for all this time were always like you, you know you must have taken a big risk to start this business but you know <laughs> we were studying at uni we we didn't need much income and we didn't really pay ourselves for let's face it three or four or five years because we were lucky enough that we could um, earn casual salaries while working at these events with our staff and mm. we really put it on ourselves to make sure that we were working all of the gigs with our staff early days it helped us know who they were got to meet the clients and um to your point about when did we think that there was really something in it, it was probably um, the first Ashes gig that we got where, you know, at the first briefing session with Cricket Australia before the Ashes summer, we got to meet quite a few of the brands. And yeah. when we were at the at that session, we got to network and bounce into, bump into a few people um, that were running these activations on behalf of brands. And, and they said, well, great, have you got some crew in Adelaide? Let's, let's get started. Mm. And from there... Um, you know, that was a fantastic moment for us where we started with, you know, two contracts maybe for staffing mm. for the summer. By the very end, we had basically in the entire um, outfield of sponsorship was done by Event Workforce staff. How did, how did you collect those sponsors? Um, to The truthful answer is going out network drinks and <laughs> meeting these people <laughs> and, uh, and just they got to know who we were as human beings and, and the, the story behind the business about sort of helping connect students with opportunities and they they you know these people that we were networking with the clients were were only probably five six seven eight years older than us they've been through the same journey so they understood it and understood yeah. the problem we we're trying to solve so mm. for them they were keen to invest back into their you know effectively their own journey and mm. everyone's answer anytime we would pitch to someone new they'd be like God, I wish this existed when I was at uni. Mm. And so you're talking yeah. on a different level compared to just someone trying to, you know, flick your staff. We, we genuinely cared about the journey that our, our staff were going through. How, how did you switch from two, oh, a uni student at the time, graduate, to all of a sudden running a business? Like how did you figure out how to establish that? Because a lot of people have an idea uh, but they don't actually know the steps to to build that up like you mentioned there shannon like you got contracts with cricket australia it's like how did you piece that all together how did you learn all that to to actually put in place a, a fully running business yeah i think um my, well one of my first events was the president's cup in 2011 and that was two months of uh work on site at the uh at the event itself and so that was the trigger to be able to say okay i'll, I'll finish up with my part-time job at the at the time which was out of the industry and then actually progress into work so uh that was kind of the catalyst into navigating work outside of the direct business to then find employment like shannon said i guess it was when we had the confidence that we had enough business locked in ahead of time that we could really back ourselves in and go from there mm. um but a lot of it was just backing ourselves in i don't think there's any real certainty when you start a business in terms of what's ahead of you so it's really um, tr- trusting your instinct and going for it, um, knowing that had it not worked out, we would have found casual work or other opportunities outside of it. So the world won't fall apart. It's just about backing yourself in because when we went full-time, it made a significant difference to the, the business itself. Yeah. And you guys are probably finding that, right, is once you back yourself in, make it your sole focus and really nail down on it, it things really change quickly. So, mm. yeah. And, and tell us about some of the offices that you've had over time, did you always start out in with a few desks in South Melbourne, or where did it begin? Always pretty luxurious, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> always uh, high rent, dollars. yeah, top dollar. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, well, first, I mean, a, a bedroom in you know somewhere goes for a fair amount. Oh well, yeah, well, I mean the Cremorne <laughs> apartment. That's yeah, a, that's expensive oof. rent. Yeah, <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> still moving there back in today. Probably uh, still <laughs> our most expensive rent. Um, oh, well, we started. Um, yeah, like anything, right? Around the dining room table and move from my, my parents to Bennett's parents. We did we did the first business plan was at the uh, Deacon residence in the dorm room at uh, when Shannon was on site. <laughs> yeah, on actually. the big butcher's paper. Yeah, yeah. The big butcher's paper and um, did a bit of brainstorming at the time. Yeah. It was a business plan. So 
Um, yeah, we were offices around Melbourne, Hawthorne, Tremorne, and then, yeah, it would have been three years in where we actually had a dedicated office of our own. And, yeah, um, so when he says offices are bedrooms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm catching on. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love it. Yeah, so it, was, it didn't worry us though, right? At the end of the day, you need a laptop and some half-decent Wi-Fi as we found yeah, at the time matter. of time. And, and we didn't um, host too many clients at our office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we, had, we had a funny one actually. With, um, we did boopers, um, uh, all the booper troopers around the country. Oh, a yeah. lot of um, mm. people listening uh, that were workforces in the past with no booper troopers were in the blue kit going out to all these events around the country. But yeah. at one point they asked us, they figured that we were a lot bigger than we were and mm. said, oh, can you just store all the uniforms? Um, in your offices <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and so we had all these boxes of uniforms basically under the house and then, <laughs> you know the labrador would be out the back there sometimes and, and oh, then no. one day they said oh we'd just like to do an infantry check in the offices we'll just swing past we're like oh god <laughs> we'll, we'll come to you <laughs> yeah we'll bring them in we'll do the check for you lots of moments like that yeah love yeah. it yeah amazing so over the first five years, you guys have started off with the Melbourne Marathon, progressed to the Ashes. What other clients kind of fit in between that, you know, 2010, 2015 time period? And how is your database growing over those five years as well? What kind of point did it reach by that? By well, that I think time? for me, because I was often the one traveling a lot um, with the clients and some, some big ones of note were Lukey and Graham Hannon um, with the Colour Run was a big moment for us in signing all the events that they would bring on that weren't just the Colour Run, Electric Run and uh, Rock Run and a few others. Um, Tough Mudder with Benny Muldoon and the guys um, was a big one. And then the Ashes, working with big agencies like your TLAs um, and Gembas was really um it just provided a different type of work as well, sort of the activation side and uh, and the operation side more with the ops, uh, with the colour runs. So that was some of our bigger ones that ended up being national contracts and that helped us grow. And I think when we'll talk about Rostify, it's sort of, it's always, I guess the way I always thought about it, it's the chicken or the egg, right? Do you go find the work or do you, you, you know, do you spend time and energy setting up offices and building a business plan and trying to get the clients and then you try and fulfil? I guess we, the way we've always operated is, I don't know if it's blind naivety or confidence, <laughs> I'm not sure what it is, but our approach is always get the work and, and um, work your ass off and make sure you fulfil it as best mm. you can. So um, we take these things on and, and then just find the cheapest tiger flight at 5.30 in the morning and get to a <laughs> uni by 7 in, you know, in Perth or something and, and go and yeah, meet everyone. So, um, yeah, we just find the work and then we'd fulfil it and then make sure we did a good – turn up in person and do a good job. Next minute you've got 50-odd people at the NRL grand final cheering on there. <laughs> Correct, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll just say, like, it's such a interesting mindset to have. Like, just – you don't know what's coming that you're just going to do the work and, you know, if you're confident that the work you're doing is going to be good, then it's all going to work out. And I think it's – it's relevant for anybody out there wanting to work in sport as well because mm. it's like there's no guarantee out there mm. and you're probably going to get experience where you're probably not going to love the job but yeah. you've just got to dig in. Well, the amount of times like we would, you know, I would sometimes travel to Sydney. We didn't have any money, right? We'd travel to Sydney <laughs> yeah. on these cheap flights and sometimes you'd, you'd have three meetings lined up for a day and two wouldn't turn up because they would just some you know, university yeah. kid, they've got better things to do. So it's not like it was everyone just had their door open saying, come and speak to us. <clears throat> so, yeah, it's, it wasn't always easy, of course, but it was – we just – I think, number one, we just believed, like Bennett said, we believed in the problem. So we just knew that mm. if we stuck to it in time and market and just being consistent with it, I think that was number one. But number two, I think – and this is important for anyone sort of thinking about doing their own thing. It's like – and now I think about this retrospectively now when I'm interviewing someone, if someone says they've tried to do their own thing and most likely failed at some point, brilliant. Like mm. it shows that they've had the confidence or, you know, self-belief to try something. Yeah. And number two, they've probably learned something really valuable uh, as part of it as well. Um, and I think that's like especially for young people, like you got nothing to lose. Mm. You're so young in the journey of where you were at. So try and fail, try and fail, work it out. It certainly wasn't all success for Event Workforce and then for Rostify. It's always been challenging, but as long as you just stay consistent and just time and market and, you know, keep showing up and mm. taking responsibility, these sort yeah. of things, like you just get better at it. Mm. Yeah. 
I think that's a great point for people who are thinking about interviewing at startups. The people who are interviewing you have been through the hard path of trying to build up their business to the point where they can interview somebody. And so for those people who have just started their own little Instagram account here and there or have tried to, you know, start a side hustle on the weekend, that sort of stuff resonates incredibly well with people like yourself and and us who have been through that journey and understand how, how hard it is. So for anyone out there looking for anything extra to do, this sort of stuff uh, um, resonates really well. Big time. Mm. Yeah, I think we've found that over the journey. People are still working in the industry now that would have just done their first event as a bit of a risk of theirs and didn't think it was for them, but they got into it and now they've built a career off the back of it. So, mm. yeah, I think definitely in your 20s, um, and we're, we're certainly not far from our 20s, we're a little bit <laughs> over too old. Um, <laughs> we would just cop knocks, right? Like we would get knocks and things knocked back and things wouldn't go our way, but then you just get up the next day and you, you carry on and you keep pushing through. Mm. And then when we look back, we don't even remember those times. You just remember the positive times of when you've yeah. been able to mm. get through it. So, yeah, I think no matter how it is hard it might be at the time, you actually get up the next day, push through and, mm. and keep backing yourself and it's, it mm. works out. I am um, excited to get onto Ross Fire, so we'll do that in a moment. But I just want to ask one thing that we, I mean, Rubes and I have experienced, and I'm sure you would have experienced as well, and we hear a lot from um, people who are just starting out in the industry is imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. And when you mentioned then, you know, you're just two guys who are uni students and you had uh, meetings cancelled because people, you know, they might have other things to do. Yep. But then you go and sit in a room with the CAs of the world, TLA, Gemba, these huge organisations, how are you able to compose yourself and be like, nah, well, I belong at the table mm. and yeah. you're able to have those conversations from a you know, a maturity point of view but just a business standpoint where you've just come out of uni. Mm. Like how, how do you Cause get that confidence? The 2013 Ashes, you would have been, what, 21, 22, talking True. to, I'm guessing, Qantas, Commonwealth Bank, mm-hmm. Victoria, a bit of those mm-hmm. types of people. Mm-hmm. It's a really good question. I don't think I have a you know a specific answer to say this is exactly how you do it because everyone's different, right? Um, to be honest, I think it's just about our work spoke for itself, and yeah. then um, I don't know if it's a trick or anything like this, but it was always just about you let your work speak for it. So it's like my only advice for anyone trying to get into this day space is like. If you need to do something for free for a long time, like our first gigs with the golf, we're earning next to nothing, right? <laughs> so, and and it didn't matter because we were still able to sort of work casually ourselves and earn money. But and this is a sort of it for any uni students. Like, we just built up sort of three, four, five sort of big clients that you can reference, right? And yeah. then when you walk into a meeting, it's less about you as a uni student. It's more about well, these guys trusted us. Like mm. we just did the golf, we did this, we did, you know, big doubt, we've done the whole summer. We've got this great group yep. of students and we, we build sort of decks off the back of it. And so that's number one. It's like, you know, it's less about you telling the story, it's more about, well, these guys back us. Yep. And then two was the, the story and the motivation that was different to anything else that was out there and, and driving that home. And honestly, it was just about sometimes asking for give us a chance and looking them in the eye and saying, we'll be there, we'll be accountable for it and yep. knowing... Because the last thing you could do, last thing to do would be to say, give us a chance and then just like put in the hands of someone else to deliver and potentially stuff up. Like as long as you showed up and were accountable, mm. sometimes we stuff things up, but because we were there and we put our hands up and said, you know what, that wasn't good enough, we'll make sure we nail it next time, then we'd get the next one mm. and then we'd really make sure we nailed it. Mm. Yeah. I think yeah. that's the only – what do you reckon, Barry? Yeah, I, I agree. I think it was – at that stage of business, the client really backs you as a person, not the business because they're, they're doing business with you as a person, right? Mm. So if you're a genuine person, yep. you're yourself and then you've got a track record or even not much of a track record, but they can trust you as a person, then that, that'll go a long way because you've got what your character and your personality, probably not much of a CV at that point in time. No. Mm. So you just got to be a genuine person and be yourself and just back up what you say. Mm, yeah, some of the basics really right it doesn't take much <laughs> yeah. a lot of people probably don't put themselves in that situation and then there's, there's a missed opportunity and they're like oh I could have done that mm, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. yeah I think put put time into yourself and, and your, your character and who you are and then the clients and people you're speaking to should be able to back back you in um, mm. if you have confidence in that Yeah, yeah. I, I think actually it's a big part and with Rostify as well like 
we would always ask for people to introduce us to. And I know that sometimes that feels like you're annoying people or whatever, but what's the worst that's going to happen? Yeah. <laughs> ask the question, right, and say, look, I know you're mates with this person. Can you help me? And, and Muldoon, these guys' early days, like, you know, we were probably pestering them. They'll look back and go, these guys are a bit annoying, whatever. <laughs> but, you know, it's, we got through that and it, it's, it just helps having – it helps so much having a personal recommendation or saying you, know, yeah, you, you yeah. should trust these people from a trusted source. That really did help us. Mm. Yep. Unreal. Well, let's, uh, let's chat about Rossify now. Um, so you guys ran Event Workforce Group from 2010 to 2019 before you guys merged with Geordie Miles and his business, Miles Per Hour. We're going to chat with Geordie next week. Uh, but those two businesses came together to form Spark. But along that journey around 2015, this idea for, for Rostify started to come up and started to take over your time. Can you tell us how that got going? Yeah, absolutely. So Event Workforce Group essentially is an event staffing company, right? So we were dealing with um, 20 staff in our first year, up to 10,000 every year from about 2014 to 2015. So <clears throat> we had all the challenges that most organisations have with scheduling, recruitment, um, uh, rostering timesheets, and we were doing it on spreadsheets, right? So color coding, Google Docs was an upgrade from the old Google spread, well, lots of spreadsheet. Lots and, of V um, look up, that type of thing. Yeah, <laughs> probably not even that route. So, <laughs> no, that, that would have been very Just fancy. control F, <laughs> fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have been helpful actually. Good idea. Rube has like weirdly become amazing at Excel. And I'm like, oh shit, Wait, I, really I wouldn't say idea. that. That would yeah. be an insult to people who actually know how to use Excel. <laughs> so it was, a, um, it was a journey of another problem we were solving was mass workforce scheduling and management and so we we didn't see any software on the market that could solve that problem and we said okay well we'll, we'll have to solve it ourselves called upon our um our business partner now chris grant who'd done a lot of work in events and we'd known through uh, previous uh experience together and he, he basically built our website and uh and it was a tool for wg for a year and a half and until we started speaking to industry contacts and they realize hey we got no tool to manage our hundreds of volunteers or our casual staff can we start using that tool you have and we didn't have a name for it and we said okay let's come up with a name and here's a here's a product and then that turned into rostify the company and it, and it kind of evolved from 2015 so yeah it was again a business that was born out of a problem that no one else could solve at the time and it's an interesting one when we first when clients first were asking us like what's that tech you're using at my, I guess my role as a business <laughs> has always been sort of the revenue side and sales. And so my first reaction was, well, get your hands off it because you're going to use the software. You're not going to use our staff. Yeah. And then after a while, sort of thinking more about it and probably some friendly nudges from Bennett and Chris about going, well, hang on, we can we can make a bigger impact. Like why did we start this company? We started this company to help connect people to opportunities ultimately, mm. right? Yeah. And then through this technology um, – these clients that sort of gave us those opportunities early, we realised, hang on, we've just engaged with 300 people in Cairns that we would have never met before because Cycling Australia is now engaged with them. And then yeah. realising, hey, we can make an impact here with this technology and that's sort of where we we sort of, um, yeah, caught up with Geordie and said we, we want to go all in on the tech side and, and Geordie was running a great business miles per hour at the time. So, Geordie, we want to put, you know, Event Workforce Group in your hands to give it a great home. And um, it's been – we're so happy that we did. He's such a fantastic person, runs such a great organisation. So that's sort of how how the merge happened. Yeah. And Bennett and I have been – and Chris and our team, full-time Rostify for the last five years now. Unreal. So it sounds like you were kind of worried that Rostify would cannibalise the revenue that was coming mm. in from EWG. Uh, look, it's, it was a small-time problem because we weren't <laughs> a big business, right? But it was more just the thought of going, well, we, it was never an intention f for us to build a software platform to license. It was, a, it was simply selfishly to solve our own problem of how do we better schedule our workforce. And I think, number one, we, we built it with our workforce in mind compared to like an admin problem. It was kind of more... Like we built Event Workforce to provide students a place to go to find opportunities that they were passionate about. But at the time, they were kind of just like register, like a new individual that have to register every time as a new individual, oh, yeah. re-register. 
And so we weren't treating them with the respect that they needed. They weren't being able to get, you know, tangible benefits like certificates or award recognition, these sorts of things that a tech platform can provide. So we built it for them ultimately and Mm -hmm. the the – um, outside the the other effect of it was reducing all the admin time that we were spending in the timesheets and scheduling and, and making sure we knew had the best people in the best roles. Quite simply, who were some of the first people to take up the use of Rostify? Well, we would have started with a, a BMX event in Northern Queensland as our very first. Yeah, um, Jen Dwyer. Yeah, she Jen backed us in, so yeah, we'll definitely remember Jen for giving us our first opportunity. <laughs> Shout out to to Jen. Yeah, She'd be listening, no Jen. doubt. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, and then we would have progressed pretty quickly, actually, into a um, into the Nepal World Cup, which was maybe our third or fourth client on Rostify. That was 2015 in Sydney. So. We, we all of a sudden had a World Cup on our platform. We were thinking, wow, this is a serious problem we're solving. If a Netball mm. World Cup doesn't have a tool or a solution that they can easily use for volunteer management. And, uh, and that quickly progressed into signing Tough Mudder globally that all of a sudden uh, imported 120,000 volunteers into Rostify. 125,000. 125,000. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, what better what better say 120? Oh, I thought you said 120. <laughs> oh, maybe I missed that. Yeah, we yeah. just want to make sure we get that 125,000 out there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was 125,000 yeah. just wow. and uh it was across three countries, US, Australia and um and the UK, right? So all of a sudden our platform had been supercharged with one of the global leaders in event management and and it progressed from there. So um today we have around 150 clients globally in 23 countries and between back in the fifth or the first event we did and until now there's definitely been a lot across mm. multiple sectors and Shane you'd probably have a few more names you could mention <laughs> in there as well no look they're, they're the early ones for sure yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to ask around you know getting these huge clients on board because you've gone from kind of like one business to another mm-hmm. in a way but you're speaking to the likes of the Super Bowl like mm-hmm. that you probably can't get much bigger. How how did the mindset change? And how you know you're now mo- you know traveling to the US to go and pitch to people like that's incredible. It's a huge shift. How did you sort of handle that? Was it just you two still, or did you hire people out to help you? No, look, it was it was us and and Chris at the very early days. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be clear, early days we. It, we were doing calls at 3 a.m. to America. We weren't traveling over there. They, uh, they yeah. not, uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm just, I'm just going yeah. off your schedule now, yeah, Shannon. Yeah. T- t- Tiger doesn't run flights. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, now it's a little different. But, um, $500, 55 hours to get to the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was certainly um, – it was just sort of the three of us early days um, that decided to, to get into it and then um, – Again, we just believed in the problem we solved and still today when we speak to clients, new clients, we we can speak confidently about our passion for the problem we're solving and we understand it as well as they do and if not better now in terms of our experience across so many different programs, Mm -hmm. not just in events but in not-for-profits with cities, um, with sporting federations, professional teams. So I guess we've just learned so much from from the journey and it's not all again it's not all the it's not the easy stuff that you learn from right it's the challenges you go through so that that helps us early days to to speak confidently about something and then again we didn't have the perfect platform right tough mudder and similar to um uh, you know our early clients with event workforce tough mudder and andy newman and emma dutch they they took a big plunge with us they, they, we, we put our neck on the line and said we will deliver this and, and so did they. So you've got to give credit to those people in the industry that see opportunities and, and back someone in and I think um, there's such a big difference I've seen across my time of those that are willing to take a risk and opportunity versus those that are very contempt staying in the box of, well, it's always been done this way so we'll just keep doing it. And for me, it's those people that have – client side that have been able to take a risk are those really those special people that i've seen go on and mm. do great work yeah. as well one, mm. one of the just a quick uh a story about that tough mother um client we worked with mm. so i was gonna say because you yeah. started working for them back in 2013 yeah. and then later down the track they really seemed to help you out yeah that's right and i guess the the, the story is pretty amazing because we actually went down to help Andy, who was the head of Tough Mudder at Phillip Island, a couple of hours south of Melbourne, right? 
And he contacted us because he was speaking to Katie Rowe at Deakin Uni about getting some uni students involved. And then Katie put, it, put him onto us at EWG. And we spoke to Andy from New York and said, he was like, I don't know where to find volunteers in Melbourne or casual staff. Can you guys help me? And uh, I think it might have been Shannon was like, yeah, Bennett will be down there tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Philip Island is down there. Look out for Bennett, he'll be there to help you. <laughs> I can just imagine you on the phone. Well, will I, Shannon? Yeah, cool. Yeah, well, <laughs> I didn't know I was going to be in Philip Island. The first time that's happened. <laughs> <laughs> so, Not um, the last. <laughs> so that, that, that actually was the, the trigger event because we met Andy down in Philip Island, right? And so that was the start of our, I guess, working relationship with Andy who's become a great mate but ever since then two years after that we actually told him about the software he then took on Rostify globally um, a year and a half out after that Andy then moved to the Super Bowl he then took our software with him to the Super Bowl just last year Andy moved to the B22 the Commonwealth Games he took our software to the Commonwealth Games so this is one person we met on Phillip Island <laughs> south of Melbourne, right? So to think that you're in Melbourne and you're, you might be distant from the globe and the world of opportunity, it, it only takes one person to meet. Mm, yeah. And it's incredible the journey we've been on through that one contact and, um, and sending Bennett down to Phillip Island. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you then got sent to the US for a period of time, is that right? Yes, yeah, yeah. I actually signed up for that one. So uh, <laughs> that was an opportunity through the Australian Sports Technology Network. So that was landing pad. And uh, I went to San Francisco for six months, actually, in the end. And we were the guinea pigs. So we were one of 10 Australian startups to go over to uh, San Francisco, open up the US market and see what we could do over there. So I set up the office, employed a couple of our first staff and really just went for it and there were probably only four or five of us in the team in melbourne and um me floating around the us and it was it was good opportunity good fun and it just really i guess showcased that there was a problem we we're solving globally and and that was kind of the trigger of i guess getting our confidence that we can deal with overseas clients and this problem we've got is is a global problem so that, that was really really cool it was really cool we we're, were very fortunate the australian government showed a lot of faith in us actually um and we've been, I guess, used as case studies and other stories by them for for a while now. So, yeah, it was it was really awesome. Was that um, uh, 2017? You were floating around the US. Yeah, I think it was. Roops. So I reckon I bumped into you. you know, We've got a caller. We've got a call coming in. I don't remember. I don't know if I've told you this before, but um, I was on a study tour with Deakin University uh, led by Adam Carg, who I'm not sure was around yeah, yeah, back Karg, in your day. Great friend of the show as well. Yeah, right. he's been on an episode before. And we were in San Diego. We did a lot of our classes out of San Diego with Ohio University. And Adam said, hey, guys, let's all go into town and go to Piano Bar. And we're sitting around there, just, you know, pianos playing in the background, everyone's having a few drinks. And I recognized your face sitting across the table because of everything you'd done at Event Workforce Group. And I had done a couple of shifts with you guys. I think the, the Geelong Road Race, Cadell Evans Great Ocean Road Race in mm -hmm. 2016. Um, I remember seeing you at that thinking, gosh, I thought the founders just kind of sat back in the office. But there you were lifting boxes, moving, fencing around, that kind of thing. So I knew who you were and then you popped up in this piano bar in San Diego by chance. And um, and I thought, what is what is this guy doing here? I didn't say hi because I was probably too nervous, but um, I did wonder how, how have you landed in the same bar as this Deacon study tour in San Diego? <laughs> well, I, I learned piano from... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for coming to watch. Probably difficult to talk to him when he's yeah. singing, <laughs> singing piano, man. Absolutely. Fair enough. And if you had a camera with a couple of dollar bills, <laughs> yeah, I'd yeah. be spoken to. Um, yeah. No, I knew, I knew Adam from our time at Deacon, so that was, uh, that was obviously something. I was in San Diego. I had this vision of setting up a San Diego office by the beach, mm. um, employed someone there. It didn't work out, and we've no. had a couple of different cities where our offices have been since, but <laughs> the timing worked out. And, uh, yeah, the, uh, the problem that's being solved in the US for uni students and sport management students getting experience, the exact same problem in Australia and, and overseas. So, yeah, that was, that was pretty funny, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, um, sports grad's got San Diego roots as well because the first ever interview I did was in San Diego. It was from out the back of the San, the Pacific Beach hostel, right on the water. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and I had the landline phone from the hostel in one hand speaking to a bloke called Scott at UCLA in the marketing team. 
and my mobile on the other hand recording what was coming out of the phone whilst oh, wow. I asked him oh, questions. What yeah. a setup. Yeah. Come a long way, boys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> whilst in the background of this is all the noises you'd expect from a hostel. <laughs> um and uh, yeah, safe to say that footage hasn't been released ever. But um, so I'm, I'm glad we've both made attempts to get yeah. set up in the US. Oh, well, you do some crazy things, right? Like, yeah, you do whatever you can at the time. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Strong roots in San Diego. I love yeah. yeah, we'll be back. It's good. You mentioned the Australian government, Bennett. I believe you've actually met the Prime Minister before. Is that correct? Uh, well, yeah, Malcolm Turnbull at the time. We were very yeah. fortunate to get an invite up to um, Kirribilli House. Because ah, then it jumped on that one. Yeah. I didn't see the invite. Can't imagine. <laughs> Personalised invite, actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was that was about 2017 through the Australian government. They love what we're doing. They love the fact we work with the Super Bowl and these global events. So I got invited up to uh, Kirribilli House to meet Malcolm Turnbull and Shinzo Abe, Japanese Prime Minister at the time, and it's kind of looking at big major event suppliers in Australia leading up to other events globally and through Asia as well. So that was pretty cool, actually. Certainly didn't expect that opportunity. And, and what did uh, Malcolm say to you when he introduced you to the Japanese president? <laughs> well, really setting us up nicely. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, he... he, he uh, I don't think Malcolm knew my face, which is probably understandable, but he did in- introduce Rostifiers to Shinzo Abe as one of the uh, Australia's leading innovati- innovation companies, which, um, which I'm sure he was proud as punch to mention. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't be more right. And, uh, <laughs> Thanks. What did they serve on the menu? Is it pretty, you know, pretty fancy? Uh, yeah, oysters and champagne. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> lovely. <laughs> Shan would have been very flat on the invite <laughs> yeah. for that one. Uh, yeah, not a, not a big oyster man. That's yeah, <laughs> <laughs> unreal. So then you've got this presence set up in the US. How did you grow throughout Europe? Uh, again, it's the do you set up and business plan mm. six month this sort of thing, or do you go and find clients? Um, and we just found clients. We just knew that these large organisations that were over there were facing the same problem and. Um, to be honest I can't even exactly recall but just reaching out to quite a few people through the network meeting people at conferences where people Mm. fly in and saying love to have a call with you and then just uncovering that ultimately just asking the question how are you engaging with your workforce like how are you managing this and then hearing that they've got you know full teams of people in spreadsheets and they don't really know what's going on and therefore just saying well would you would you give us an opportunity and for me um one of my proudest moments is actually signing London Marathon events. It took a long time dealing with sort of the head, Hugh Brasher, who's, again, a, a fantastic person. That, like an Andy, these people take an opportunity, right, or take a risk ultimately in us. And, um, yeah, we went through a lot of negotiations and, and got to a point where we, we, we signed them as a client um, and the City of London and some others that followed from that because, again, you mm. then walk into the next room and say, well, these guys are working with us. Why wouldn't you? So yeah. it's just building that client list um, – and you just do whatever you need to do to get the first one and you work off that. Mm. Is that what's your recollection? Yeah, absolutely. I think and the work that Shannon did at the time was pretty humongous, right? We didn't have anyone on the ground, so Shannon was <laughs> doing a lot of the Zoom calls and negotiating contracts for his European clients and um, and all mm. sorts of things, which was testament to the effort that was put in the hard work that uh, – you can sign these clients and, then, and get to know these people from the other side of the world, which we know yeah. these days, but five, six years ago, you'd think you need to jump on a plane for three months to make it happen. So mm. Zoom wasn't as popular six years ago. <laughs> no, I actually distinctly remember a call um, with uh, London Marathon events. It was getting down to the fin- final part and there was like 15 of them in the room and me. And I was in an <laughs> Airbnb on a holiday. I'm not sure if I've told you this one, Bennett. <laughs> the, the lights... There's no lights in my room. It was like in the afternoon. But the call went for ages, like two hours. And by the time we finished the call, it was pitch black. <laughs> so I'm there talking to them in pitch black, no lights on. <laughs> I didn't even address it. I just kept going and kept talking. <laughs> I love that you didn't address it. Yeah. I just kept talking. and uh, They didn't yeah. say, Shannon, have you turned your screen off? Yeah. Shannon, everything all good no, over I there, mate? I just saw it gradually getting darker yeah. and me yeah. sitting there in the pitch black. But, um, <laughs> it makes room for the San Diego story look all right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, mate, <laughs> yeah. So many of those uh, stories. Where it's not, it's not, it doesn't have to be perfect. You just got to get it done. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so you guys have continuously kind of thrown yourself into the deep end and found a way to swim. Mm-hmm. What have been some of the keen learnings throughout the whole journey? Gee whiz. 
<laughs> Lots of them. Yeah, I think I think we haven't um, we've thrown ourselves in the deep end with our clients and the the tasks we take on. But as a business, we've never really risked everything. We've run our run our business pretty cautiously and closely managed in a way. So sounds like you bet it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. And, yeah. Um, <laughs> two halves of this business. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I would say there's two parts of it. Is We've always been pretty detail oriented in kind of how, how we're running the business on the bigger level, but then always thrown ourselves into the next opportunity to back it up itself. So uh, I would say that's probably one of, one of the lessons in getting to a stage of running a business is, yeah, you got to watch it pretty closely and, and do everything you need to in the back end. And then we've had a, had a lot of good mentors and supporters along the journey that have helped us from the start, Chan. Yeah, of them. I think um, one of my biggest learnings is is just that showing up and consistency and it's like you're going to get knocked mm. back so more many more times than you're going to be accepted when you get accepted just nail it and yeah. do everything in your power even if you stuff it up at least people respect the fact that you're having a crack and i think that's ultimately what ben and i saw in you guys is that you kept showing up and you were just doing the work and putting it in not everything is perfect and we were the same still not today for us right and everyone's everyone from the outside probably looks in going it's all all rosy and ever, really easy it's 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 not right we're still growing and feel like we're the tip of the iceberg in terms of what we can achieve so yeah. it's just like i think that and just never settling like there's just so much more to achieve and to do and experiences to gain out of it. So it's just sort of just keep pushing for the next thing and keep growing and learn from all the stuff that you stuff up along the way. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yep, and, and stay in touch with people that you meet and look after your network and um, promote the work of other people around you. Because I, we appreciate that you guys are getting the two of us on, but we've had teams of people working with us and a whole range of people have helped along the journey as well. So I think, yeah, building a team... Uh, recruiting great people and um, acknowledging the work of others definitely has helped yep. us along the journey. Yeah. Um, obviously, you've refined Rostify mm-hmm. over the last few years. What What's the next stage that you're seeing? Is it just further refinement or is there something else that you, know, you think you can do with it? Yeah. Look, for us, it's similar to Event Workforce. We... Rostify's mission is to connect communities around the world. Like we want to be the place where people, it's so difficult sometimes for people if they want to know how to volunteer. Again, they're probably emailing info at all these organisations <laughs> to do it. Yeah. Rostify now, we're proud to say we've had over a million workforce around the platform around the world using our platform to engage better to their community. Um, we're on a mission to get to 10 million in the next couple of years. Like, so I think that refinement comes through the platform and those experiences we've learned um and probably to answer your question directly like where do we see ourselves going next right now rostify is a business that sells license fees to single organizations to better run their workforce right to, yeah. to, to better engage the challenge with that is that all of our customers around the world are asking us how do we find more workforce so over the last sort of through COVID um, and alongside um, some major clients, we developed a marketplace capability. So a way to effectively bring together your community of, of organisations to post opportunities and then that can go to a marketplace of volunteers or casual staff, this sort of thing. So um, so the next iteration of where Rostify will be going is a, is a marketplace mm-hmm. capability um, to greater connect people from all walks of life, not just single clients. So I think that's, that's a big focus yeah. for us. Definitely. And I think that's the sports grad network and, and the members and, and those opportunities that pop up across these clients from yeah, these 25 countries we work in, hopefully there's opportunities globally that we can open up for the sports grad members. So mm-hmm. we're doing, obviously, the Super Bowl, we're doing Commonwealth Games, we're doing FIFA World Cup, we're doing a lot of global events that would be unreal for people to get, get a hold of and yep. sign up to. So that's, that's where we see it going as well. Amazing. We'll, we'll be signing up for the FIFA World Cup, no doubt. Yeah. Red happened yesterday. <laughs> we launched yesterday and we had what was it what was yeah we've had just over 120,000 volunteers register in the first uh, day and a half wow well, hey. so, so getting quick, get quick boys <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah. just to clarify that's not info at Rostify <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah no definitely not we afford it um, <laughs> Bennett Shannon mentioned the 10 million volunteers why is that an important thing to aim for 
Yeah, so we yeah, got a goal by 2025 to get uh, the 10 million active volunteers on Rostify. So I guess that at the heart of it is what we're what we're trying to build is connecting the communities and the people behind it, right? So uh, the more volunteers, the more engagement, the better the events are, the easier it is for our clients and a whole range of things. So that that's kind of the the north star is to get towards that, which. I guess is yeah two and a half years away and something to aim for which I think is key right you, I know you guys have got your your goal towards the Paris Olympics and a range of uh, <laughs> range of missions that you want to go towards so I think it's good to have something you can uh, hang your hat on once you get there yeah I think just a quick one on that I, I recall like especially event workforce days when you're so early you got no idea what you can achieve and every year we'd be setting our budgets or you know how mm. many clients we're going to sign and every year we'd put some sort of stupid number out there and be like, oh, that's ridiculous, but we'll have a crack. And inevitably each year, because we put that there, we'd get it. And it's, it's, yeah. I found it fascinating. And every year we'd look back and go, how, did, how the hell did we do that? <laughs> yeah. But because you set yourself a goal of doing it and you put it so mm. obviously in front of you every single day, it's kind of that's just the bar you set yourself. Yeah. And um, I think that's a really important part for people getting into these things is like just put it out there to the world and, mm. you know, work your ass off to get it. Yeah. And no matter what it is, it doesn't matter if you're trying to make a million bucks a year or just trying to get your first job, just kind 100%. of setting that goal for yourself Whatever it take is. you yep. a long, long way. Yep. Do you, do you guys feel like you've achieved your vision or on track? Uh, if we answer at the same time, I'm not sure. My, my, my instant <laughs> reaction is no way, like no yeah. way. It feels like we tip of the iceberg in terms of what we can achieve. Um, there's so much more to do. Um, I think we're really proud of the event workforce journey and like just seeing how many people around Australia have progressed and built their confidence through this, this platform to connect mm. to opportunities to progress into where they are. Like, really proud of that journey and, and so happy to have Geordie being the man to, to lead this charge for, for young people around the country. For, for Rostify, um, yeah, we've, we've done some great work we're really proud of. And you've got to – it's funny, our friends around us were always the ones to pull us out of the day-to-day -day and be like, guys, you realise you just you did that or you signed this client – like well done because yeah. we we are so um, <laughs> we're so bad at that we just <laughs> head down bum up like because you know, I mean we've talked about it, like a lot of the times we didn't have the capacity to deliver these things we'd sign so it was almost like we'd sign them and be like oh no yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna deliver this now oh no we've early, got the super bowl yeah, oh dear especially <laughs> especially early days not so much now but it was always um a a matter of just you got to get to work immediately mm. and so we've had good people around us to um you know maddie bissett come into the office with a bottle of champagne at 7 a.m one morning that sort of thing uh and family of course have been critical to to help us um to see those things differently yeah I, i'd be the same I, I don't think we've we've achieved everything we want to achieve whatsoever no, we've, no we're just on the start right like um last couple of years we've been able to look back and and understand where we're at we're, now the world's opening up post COVID, and opportunities are popping up like mm. it's incredible what's happening out there so no definitely definitely not and i think as, as long as you enjoy the journey that the end goal can change as you go right it's just the the day-to-day -day you've got to make sure you enjoy and soak it up especially with the team now shan and i probably should stop a bit more and celebrate what's going <laughs> on um because people do do love what's being achieved, I guess, which is which is awesome. So, um, yeah, I think you guys you guys doing a great job of that and tracking tracking your progress. Because when you look back, you're like, well, that that's a pretty cool, mm. um, I guess, story. Even though at the time it's it's hard yakka for sure. Yeah, I remember you sending me a few YouTube videos from the 2013 Ashes, where you would go around and interview a couple of workforces, or I think you created a bit of a stinger video out of it as well. And uh, you guys were looking very young and fresh-faced at the time. And well, we're not still are. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're saying there, Bruce. <laughs> Come on, Bruce. We can see him in the flesh right <laughs> yeah. here. It's not even over the screen. Well, the there's, table, there's right? a difference between 30 and 19. So. <laughs> 30? <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah. yeah I'll take that. <laughs> um, but no, that, that is awesome to hear. Um, and um, personally, like when I dropped out of a marketing degree and jumped into a sports management degree and I had no idea how I was going to get my first piece of experience. You guys were, you know, all the rage at Deakin when, I, Deakin when I walked around. I reckon somebody came into a university lecture that I was in and, and talked about EWG and the opportunities that you had. Um, that led me down to Geelong one day to see you guys moving boxes. I think I put on a fluoro vest and stood there as a course marshal and mm -hmm. watched um, 
Richie Port and Cadell Evans fly by around the the course there. Um, yep. um, but to see the opportunity or to have experienced the opportunities that you guys have created for young people and to um, have seen the journey you've been on to do that for many, many more. Um, I know I've personally kind of admired your work very heavily. So to see you guys uh, be interested in sports grad and, and want to be part of our journey too is is absolutely incredible. And to hear the vision that you've got for Rostify and, and for Spark, which is now in the hands of Geordie, but is still very closely aligned mm-hmm. doing those casual opportunities. It's, uh, yeah, it's very humbling and, and super exciting to kind of be in this yeah. together. Thank you, mate. Appreciate that. Yeah, it's and for you guys, like we both, it's funny, right? The better <laughs> reached out to you, I didn't know that. And then I reached out to you. <laughs> it's like, it's not like it was a, um, you guys pitching to us either, right? It was, we, we just saw the work you're doing and thought it was really aligned to where we were as human beings ultimately like yeah. we just just believe in the problem so much and and i think with spark that's the, ultimately the physical work experience right but there's the other side of it to build confidence you know to, to help find your way in the journey it's so challenging for young people um mm. so yeah the, the work you guys are doing is um again tip of the iceberg it feels like we we're still working it out as well right and there's so yeah. much to go and to grow and internationally these sorts of things that you guys can make a real impact for for people and i think that's um that's why we're interested in the very first place yeah yeah definitely i think you guys are connecting people so much easier through technology than probably we did right like <laughs> oh yeah. you guys have fast tracked the whole um problem solving solution so much quicker than us so over our journey we had a, a wall of fame where we had a number of our workforces go from volunteer to casual into full-time gigs in the industry and that was over the course of five years whereas you guys are doing it already in, in the space of two so uh it's great to see that the growth and the, the pace you're moving at and um the, fa- the fact that you guys are just great people as well i think everyone can relate to so mm. keep it up boys yeah thank, thank you. you it was um it was very good timing because um ryan and i had just had a meeting with a uh, a radio station <laughs> and we thought the radio station wanted to chat with us because they were interested in our show and promoting that <laughs> turns out they just wanted money from us to get sponsorship mm-hmm. on their station mm-hmm. and we were like what the heck yeah that was weird and we were, we were walking back to the the car on clarendon street, <laughs> clarendon in south, street. south melbourne and ryan goes to me oh we just we just need like someone to invest in us tip some money and get us going off the ground and then i think the next day we put out the second iteration of the membership. And uh, by lunchtime that day, I think Shannon, you had messaged me saying, hey guys, really like your offering, what you've put out there. Any chance you come to the Australian Open tonight? And I'd never been to Rod Laver Arena at this point in time. Next minute, I'm sitting there next to you watching Pass and Medvedev fight it out in the mm-hmm. semifinal. Mm-hmm. And I remember you saying to me like, Rubes, there's just some work that we've got to do together. Do you want to come into our office next week? I remember calling Ryan and being like, these guys want to, these guys want to chat. Like this is, <laughs> well, this is going somewhere. <laughs> I recall that. And he, he, Rubes goes to me about half an hour before. He's like, just have a couple lines about why you're in this. So this is what you want to do. Yeah. <laughs> so like, so oh, we had our, <laughs> we had our meeting and then there was the next follow up serious meeting. And that's when I briefed Ryan. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was actually good. I was on annual leave for some reason. I can't actually remember why. So it just worked. Cricket, not, not from sports at sports. cricket, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was like, heck yeah, I'm coming to the Commons and see the guys. So mm. that was awesome. It was awesome. Mm. But yeah, no, it was um, it was very good timing, and um, yeah, to see where you guys have set up and to kind of dovetail what you're doing with with Spark as well in the background is just absolutely awesome. So. Mm. Yeah. I, look, I think the connection with Spark, most importantly, right? Like if you if you want to – and this is so early days we're having this conversation. We're literally kicking this off <laughs> this week as the podcast <laughs> is being released. So there's just so much work to, to do here and, and the sky's the limit in terms of this. But at like at the end of the day, we just keep the mission at the top to be like how do we help build confidence in, in young people and connect yeah. them to opportunities they care about and then – the the result of that is is better outcomes for your clients and and that it, that just grows right and we start here in Australia and we work it up and we build you know it's very interesting and mm. and for you guys as well but like our experience around the world a lot of people refer to Australia as a great breeding ground because it's actually quite tough here 
Yeah. In America, people are willing to take your call. They love people pitching to them. In Australia, it's really challenging sometimes. So it, it can be kind of a closed-off market down here. So, um, you know, this is where we just have so much to work on and, um, you know, you just stick through it, right? And you guys are great human beings that care about the, the workforces so much. And, and, like, on the Discord here and on, on the Slack channels, like, seeing almost every second day there seems to be a new person that's found an opportunity or mm. or someone out here saying, I wouldn't have mm. done this had I not heard of Sportsgrad. Like, at the end of the day, if you can look back on, like, you know, if you look forward to 30 years from now, whenever it is, 20 years, 10 years, God, you may be finishing work and mm. whatever, you're looking back on what you've achieved. Like, what are they, have you made people feel and how have you helped people around your community? And that's what this business is. It's not, it's not something, you're not selling widgets. Mm, no. I think that's what's important here and you just stick, stick true to that and don't move away from it and just stick the course. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I think we've covered just about everything. Yeah. <laughs> we've gone the whole timeline, which is great. Yeah. But um, no, thank you guys. And thanks for coming in. This is actually, for those listening, this is actually the first time we've done uh, a podcast in the, the re- studio. Ruben's wearing pants. Yeah. <laughs> Weird. He doesn't usually wear this. <laughs> uh, so thanks for coming in. Um, it's awesome to chat. And we, we're beyond excited to, uh, to work with you guys. So. Yeah, exciting times bring no it on yeah looking forward to meeting more of the members helping out where we can and uh opening up the globe of opportunities i guess so got a big few years ahead so thanks thanks for uh getting us on boys yep thanks boys awesome if you want to learn more find us on linkedin plus be sure to jump into the sports Rag community we would love to chat with you on there and there's going to be so much more opportunities coming through now with this monumental partnership Ruben mm. so and very if exciting want, if you want to learn more about Bennett and Shannon find them on LinkedIn too I think they're tens of thousands of people in their EWG database has grown their following to about 20 30,000 each <laughs> roughly speaking I think <laughs> so um, definitely make sure you check them out and what they've been up to in the past too awesome well thanks for listening we'll see you next time